Welcome to the Busy Business Women podcast, where you have VIP access to discover the wins and wisdom that have helped successful business brains build businesses that boom. With your host, Faye Hollands from busybusinesswomen.biz. Hi, Faye Hollands here and welcome to episode 36 of the Busy Business Women podcast. And I'm super pleased today to have the wonderful Julia Kouris from Designability joining me today. But before I have, let her have a speaking part, let me tell you a little bit about Julia. Julia is the founder of Sydney-based branding and design studio, designability.com.au. And she works with us fabulous small business owners and entrepreneurs, helping us turn our skills and talents into a compelling brand that a emotionally connects with their audience, enabling them to become a clear choice for their clients. Who doesn't want that, right? She also works with self-published authors, helping them bring their important message into the world by creating beautiful book covers that sell. And if you've been following her on Facebook and Instagram, you'll know that her book covers are amazing. She's a regular speaker at networking groups and workshops, and Julia has had the privilege to design covers for some of Australia's leading authors and entrepreneurs. In a snapshot, this fabulous lady is a very talented creative who is fueled by her passion for a craft and good quality chocolate. And I'll just let you in on a little insight here. In the early days of getting to know Julia, she fully confessed to eating Nutella out of the tub. And that is why she is my kind of girl. Julia, welcome to the Busy Businesswoman podcast. Oh, thank you so much. That was quite an introduction. And yes, Nutella is my weakness. (laughs) I think that's why we bonded so quickly and have been friends ever since. Uh, because there are a lot of similarities between the two of us. And as I say to Julia listeners, uh, I think she's a sister from another mother. So um, we're going to try and curb our laughing today and remember that we're actually recording a podcast and not just having a chinwag over cocktails. But hey, I think that's probably even more fun. So we'll go with the combination of the two, right? Right. It's Friday. Why not? (laughs) Exactly. All right. So as usual, I completely want to, you know, get the sponge of Julia and wring it dry in terms of branding and really understanding what it is that you do and how you add value to small business owners. So let's get stuck straight in. And what I want to know is a bit about your business journey to start with. Why did you decide to become your boss? And what's the reality been like for you over those years? I think I always wanted to have my own business. And I think that that desire started back in high school. I remember doing work experience in year 10. I think mm-hmm. students still do that. And I uh, had the privilege of uh, visiting a lady who she worked as a graphic designer from home and she had her kids and she was kind of multitasking, a bit of work, a bit of kids. And I thought, I'd like that lifestyle. <laughs> so I kind of, I thought that I'll gain experience in studio and agency environments and then go out on my own. But I think the real drive behind that uh, only happened after my son was born. And so, you know, your set of values change and I started to reassess that. And uh, being away from him, uh, just I needed to have a really good reason to be away from him. You know, that emotion takes over. And so that was really the push that I needed. Um, And, look, the reality of it was that, I had to quickly learn on the job and I crashed and fall, fallen many times uh, because I think you take for granted when you're in a work environment with a real support network around you uh, and lots of people, they're doing things in the background that you're not even aware of because you're focused on your task. Um, yep. So I think you, you quickly learn what, what needs to be done on the job, make lots of mistakes. Um, 
but it's it's with that I should say came incredible amount of creative freedom um, that I had um, an insight that I was able to gain into other roles uh, that became part of my role as a business owner um, and creative freedom also later on as I gained experience to see the brands that I worked with from you know, inception from those early days right through to the launch and then beyond when you see them grow. So that's very rewarding for me. Yeah, for sure. I love the starting out story there of how actually your work experience at school worked for you because I'm kind of laughing. You've taken me back many decades now of my work experience, which, which was in a music shop because at the time I used to play the organ, which sounds so nerdy, and then it, I progressed onto the piano, but I loved it so much that I really wanted to just do everything to do with music. So my work experience was in a music shop in retail and it couldn't be more far from you know, the reality of my career, thankfully, actually. Uh, But I really love to hear that you actually started out in that creative space. And it obviously was in your blood from the very early days. And also the fact that, you know, I think your situation is very similar to so many women who start their own businesses, where they then have children and start reassessing how they're going to manage their newfound lifestyle with their career, which is why the rate of female entrepreneurs is growing so significantly because we need that flexibility around our families and being our own boss allows us to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I know I was very lucky to, to realize early on what I wanted to do. Um, I think it's, it's a, it's very rare, but it was really a blessing. It is rare because, you know, I've been a career coach for many, many years before I really set up the Busy Businesswomen brand. And, you know, most people do not continue with the career path that they started out on when they left school. So you're very lucky. And that's awesome. And that's also why you're fantastic at what you do and you've got so many years experience. So coming on to that, you know, you've been your own boss now for 20 years or 20 years in the industry many, you know, some of those, how many did we work it out? It's like 13 years as your own boss and then another seven on top of that as freelancer. So 20 years, two whole decades, Julia. And if those, you know, for those of you that are watching the video, she doesn't look old enough, right? Um, <laughs> you would have come across many challenges during that time. What would you say are three of the biggest challenges you face as a business owner? And when you reflect, how, how did you overcome those? I think working from home has been, it's a blessing and a curse, I always say, because the work is always there and there's really no clear defined boundaries. So it's in early days, I spent a lot of time in that headspace. Well, if I'm working from home, then I should be able to manage the home side of things, whether it's housework or cooking or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, And then over the years, as I saw that, I can't be in two places at the same time. It's those conversations that I had to start having with myself. Well, I am at home, but I'm physically at my desk the entire time. So Mm. it doesn't matter the the geographical part of where I'm at. I'm working. Um, So it's letting go of those expectations that I was putting in myself and really um, starting to define those clear boundaries. Um, I think one of the other ones was the fact that I had to wear many hats during the day and I always think you know some hats fit better than others and like you know accounting and admin hat never really fit quite well but it had yeah. to be done and um, I'm getting to a point where I'm starting to entertain the idea of outsourcing some things but oh music uh, to my ears <laughs> you, know, you, you can't do everything um, and then I think the other the third one would have been having being the one to call the shots uh, 
you know, sometimes when there is a bump in the road and you're sitting there kind of looking around going, you're going to do that? And then you realise <laughs> it's just you. There's so, no one else to help. no one else. And, um, and you have to call those shots, whether it's having a, a difficult conversation with a client or managing something from the production side of things. And, again, back in the agency days, there were teams to, to work uh, with those situations, yep. those problems, and then it's just you. So having to call the shots, you learn, but sometimes they're less pleasant. Um, so true. I can relate to all three of those. I mean, first of all, you and I were laughing before we even started this about hanging the washing out. And for our followers, you know, will know that I've got my ranty pants on previously about hanging washing out during working hours. But it's not just about the washing, right? It is about if you work from home, it's so easy to get distracted by all the other stuff around you and suddenly find that you're doing all of these extra things because it's in your space. But the reality is that those things don't pay the bills and get your clients. So yeah. that can be one of the reasons, you know, people at home are struggling to get the lead flow and the clients and the income they want because they're doing all of this other shit that they shouldn't be doing. They would never be doing if they were working for an employer at that time. Oh, but I think, you know, for, the, for those of us that are home-based business owners, I reckon it's been a struggle from one degree to another uh, for all of us at some point, we've all ended up doing something that really wasn't paying the bills, but we look back and go, I just spent an hour, you know, cleaning the kitchen when I'm actually at work. What the hell is that about? So you're not alone, but you know, I like to make fun of that. And also, you know, cause it's got a serious Nate side as well. And the wearing the many hats, like, you know, we start off, you know, you would have come out of agencies working in your guru space. And then suddenly at that point where, you know, 13 years ago, there was, you weren't working for the agencies, you weren't freelancing anymore. It was you at home doing your business for your brand. And suddenly you've got all of these different other hats that you've got to wear, some of which you're really equipped to deal with well, and others that are just not within your remit at all. But when we're starting out, cash flow can be tight. We don't want to spend money on lots of different things. So we start dabbling in all of this other stuff which was never on our CV before we started our business anyway. No. I did bookkeeping before I started my business and suddenly I'm spending hours on MYOB back in the early days. And we're so, not qualified. Exactly, not qualified at all. <laughs> we wouldn't do it for our clients. That's the thing. No. Like if our client would tell, we would, we would just think, like, no way, that's that's fraud. <laughs> Don't ask me to do that, yeah. And then we just do it for ourselves. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. Good points, and I think uh, there will be from our listeners lots of nodding heads right now. All <laughs> right, so let's talk about hindsight because the power of hindsight, you know, it's awesome. If you were to start your business from scratch again, is there anything that you would do differently? This is a case where, you know, practice what you preach. <laughs> I would spend <laughs> some time defining my business and although I was doing that on a daily basis for others defining their brand and, and the longevity of the brand and where they were going I didn't do that for myself and I think the reason for that was I was in that headspace well we're about to go from a two-income family to a one-income family if I'm going to give this a go I need to quickly find something to replace my full-time income and I just ran with it and th- that's going to make me sound um old that was before social media I started my oh, business you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> or Facebook was just starting and yeah. no one really understood what it was for and so I relied on those traditional methods of networking and whatever jobs were flying my way I was just grabbing them and uh, that kind of lands you with a different caliber of clients but mm. the income came in 
And I think with uh, with a few more years in the business, as I gained traction, I started to go back and redefine. So spend some time. Um, I would spend some time defining my business and also create basic systems mm-hmm. um, that don't need to be set in stone, but just basic sales process. What does that look like? Or after sale, what, what does that client journey look and feel and sound like? So I would just put those basic things in place because I think it takes a lot of the stress out of um, managing jobs and, and your day-to-day stuff as well. Completely. I can so relate to that. You know, we started our businesses roughly at the same time. You know, I'm hitting 12 years in July and you're at 13 years of being your own boss, obviously more experienced than that long term. But, you know, Facebook was just coming out when I was starting my business and I remember signing up for it and putting the most, you know how you get memories now? Uh, memories of oh like 12 years ago. I'm so embarrassed by the memories of the things I posted. There was obviously no business pages then. I wasn't doing anything business related on there. It was just personal. Yeah. The most boring, ridiculous updates. But it was all, you know, marketing was a whole different kettle of fish back then. And I know you and I are sounding like dinosaurs now, but it actually wasn't that long ago. No. If you've been in business a little while, it wasn't that long ago and the landscape has changed so much. So we were pimping ourselves out at networking events and that's why you and I, you know, I suppose you, you kind of learn from the hard yards rather than some of the easy ways of online these days. So I'm really starting to sound like a grandma that I'm going to start saying, back in my day, it was so much harder, young lady. Well, but my I, kids do that. Um, a song comes on the radio and they ask me, mummy, is that back from your days? <laughs> You're like, yes, darling, it is. <laughs> so, it, yeah. I completely relate. And systems, I think back to the early days of my business and well, the first business I ran and I reinvented the wheel. Every client that came along, I would be doing the same thing for them pretty much, but just kind of doing it again from scratch. And one day I had this light bulb moment of just going, okay, let's look at the things that you're replicating regularly, get some systems in place, get those templates, those emails, those notes ready to go and streamline everything that I was doing. And gosh, it just made life so much easier so that you you know reinvent the wheel every time so completely relate good lessons we learned from hindsight us dinosaurs hey (laughs) (laughs) and you know what they don't have to be set in stone because I always feel like well they can't start doing things until the system is like 100% squeaky shiny perfect but you won't know if it works until you drive it so that's why just don't get overwhelmed start with something basic like three-step system Exactly. Well, it's that whole thing I rant about progress over perfection, right? Just start, you can tweak it later on. There's not much that's actually set in stone you can't change later on. So, all right. So we just talked about, networking just came up. Let's talk a little bit about networking. How much importance do you place on having a strong network? And, you know, what, if anything, do you do to build and nurture your network? Network is so important. And I think now it's probably easier than ever to build a network with social media um, if we're moving out of the traditional networking space. Um, I, I really rely on my network. Uh, and when I say network, I don't just mean from the referral standpoint because, yes, there are those uh, businesses that are in parallel uh, with your business that can refer work. I'm talking about a network of, um, of your suppliers as well. And mm. I remember in the early days, one of my teachers when I was still studying, she said to the class, become best friends with your printer. And to me, it just sounded weird. I'm like, why would you do that? They just print things, right? 
And I, I learned through the years and we're, we're like besties because yeah. they, they got me through some really sticky situations from a production standpoint to flag potential problems right through to the delivery, uh, just the amount of knowledge that I gained from working closely with them. And they're happy to share because you've got that relationship yeah. um, with them. And I think nurturing a network is, is about just maintaining that relationship. You've got to tend to it. So, um, you know, I'm not talking about lavish lunches and, and Christmas boat parties, but but they're nice. <laughs> they are nice. Um, but, you know, I even do that with my clients if I know that just keeping in touch. These days it's more on social media and phones because we're all so time poor. But if I know that a client is having a bad week, I'll, I'll message them or, or someone in my network, you know, how are you feeling after that operation or send a little congratulations note if they did well. Just things like that I think make a really big difference. Yeah, I do. I think it's taking the time out to do those little touch points that can that allow people to know that you're thinking about them. And from a, you know, a, a networking point of view, I think it's important to point out that that's actually how we met. So, you know, Julia and I met in a big, very big Facebook group. And, you know, we were talking about this because we, the two of us went to a networking lunch that I organised on Saturday, which was awesome. And it's the first time I actually got to meet Julia in person. Um, but we were talking about the fact that we somehow found each other in this really enormous group, got to know each other over time. And it's a, been a relationship that's just kind of, you know, it's warmed up over time, hasn't it? You, you had a lot going on, yeah. you were really busy. And now we've just come to this point where, you know, the connection is awesome and the way we're working together is fantastic. And that came from a Facebook post in a group you know, quite a while ago. So I'm very grateful to you for that and the fact that we were able to connect that way. But Thank also you. what I loved is the fact that you had the same mindset that it was, you know, it was so good in, on Saturday to get together in person and to also recognise it's investing in a relationship. It's not a transactional thing. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going yeah. off at many tangents here, but I, I think networking is really important and I think offline networking is really important in a world where so much of it is online now. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a weekly thing. It could no. be like literally once every six months if, if you have the opportunity, but just meet up for lunch and just check yeah. in with each other. Those relationships take you a lot further in business in all aspects, emotional, transactional. You never know where they may lead, but it provides incredible support network for those more tougher days that we all have in business. Completely. And also, I think it's about the quality of your network. I think, um, you know, with social media, the way it is these days, it's easy to make it a numbers game and feel like if you've got more connections on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, then therefore you're more connected, but you can actually be a lot less connected. And, you know, I could meet hundred people and not have the same connection and the work that we're doing together, the conversations we have, anything like that in that group of 100 versus one person with you. Mm. So it is about recognising that quality, not just trying to collect the numbers as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So talking about numbers and being time poor, you know, I reckon that you've got a lot of balls to juggle uh, to keep everything running smoothly. You've got two children, husband, a crazy dog. You've got to go, <laughs> listeners, and follow Julia on Instagram to see her amazingly cute dog, Hugo. Um, I was hoping he might be on this video, but Julia's giving him a stern talking to, so I don't think so. <laughs> he appears to be listening right now. <laughs> Not um, barking. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's locked in the bathroom. Oh, not, not locked. Yeah, you're going to get the RSPCA on me, hey? 
if anybody's okay, listening, go call them now. No. He voluntarily took himself to the shower cubicle. <laughs> but the door is open. Oh. Please don't report me. <laughs> I knew we'd start laughing about dogs at some point. All right. So we were talking about juggling balls. Let's keep with that. Okay. So I reckon, you know, you've got a lot of balls to juggle to keep everything running smoothly in your business alive. You know, your business isn't a side hustle. It's a full-time business juggling a lo- whole load of other things. What tactics do you use to be productive and really manage your time smartly? Uh, I get better with it every day. Um, hence, I'm in your community. Thank you. <laughs> Over the last couple of years, I would say that I have chosen one non-negotiable. And okay. I know they say have a list of three. I mean, that's aside from brushing teeth and getting kids to school on time. Um, yep. So this year I've picked one non-negotiable and that's to market my business. So when I sit down at my desk before I do anything uh, with my clients, deadlines or anything else, I make sure that I do something to market my business. And this year it's been more present on social media. So I thought I'll I'll pick with one non-negotiable and then we can add to the list because I'm a big believer of start small and then work your way up because that's how I don't get overwhelmed. Um, And then I have my list of top three uh, and usually that's deadlines three most urgent deadlines that need to be met by the end of the day. And that's also like a non-negotiable. And then I have my, I call it the brain dump list. And I actually, I think I mentioned it this week in your Facebook live. Yeah. I'm glad Um, you're bringing this up because I think this idea is awesome. Yeah. Because during the day we have, I'm at my desk and all this communication is coming at me from the school, um, you know, from banks or whatever it may be, like buy a green T-shirt for Environment Day, a call to make an appointment for that. And it just, it was taking up headspace. So I created this brain dump list where everything that comes at me goes on that. Yeah. And then if I'm waiting for kids at uh, school pickup or sitting at the doctor's office, I just I look at that list and I think, well, what can I tackle now, whether it's making a yeah. phone call or replying to an email. And so th- they're all like two, three-minute tasks, but by just ticking them off, you're staying in that productive headspace. And I find that I work really well off the momentum. So if I'm yeah. constantly checking things off, even if they're little tasks, it kind of inspires me without sounding woo-woo to do bigger things. To just yeah, completely. I, I just love that. I mean, you know I'm a productivity nerd. I get very excited about this. I'm moving about my stand-up desk now just getting a bit itchy and excited because, first of all, you're like grade-A student, the fact that the first thing you do in your business is marketing and then – you know, and I've noticed from watching you, your visibility has skyrocketed. Like everywhere I go, you're there because you're focusing on your marketing. And that's the first thing that is clearly a priority in your business now. And I've seen the massive difference that that's having in terms of your visibility. So high five to you because you've done a great job of that. Thank you. Then having your top three non-negotiables and getting really focused on, you know, revenue generating tasks or client deadlines, things that make you money or keep clients happy is really important. And then going on what you were just saying about your brand, brain dump. Like I have a a daily A5 diary where I just write down all that brain dump stuff. But what I really loved about what you just talked about and what you were mentioning this week um, in the Facebook group was it's the five minute tasks or less that are in there. Because my brain dump can be bigger tasks. They can be hour long or two hour projects and stuff. 
Whereas you've got this nice little kind of vault of if I've got a spare few minutes in between appointments or sitting waiting for the kids or whatever, you can just get some stuff done. And I love putting the line through things. So nothing like taking that off. It feels amazing. Yeah. So really, really like that idea. Thanks for sharing it. I'm going to have my own little vault of under five minute tasks and I am going to get a lot of satisfaction from ticking those off. Awesome (laughs) idea. Thank you. No worries. Now let's get onto your guru space. Let's talk about branding. And I reckon there are lots of misconceptions out there about what branding actually is, because I reckon I've misconceived them in the past too. So I would say, and I'm generalizing here, but that many people would say branding is your logo and not really a lot beyond that. And I know that that obviously is not the case now. So can you tell us what does having a brand really mean? What is branding? I feel like, especially in social media, uh, we hear a lot about your brand is not your logo. Um, But very few people can still define, you know, what is a brand. And the easiest way to to describe it, it's the perception of you in the marketplace, the reputation, and it's what the audience thinks of you, not what you are putting out there yourself. And that's where a lot of the time we run into problems as business owners because we're thinking we're putting out that we're X, but they're hearing that we're Y. And so that becomes scary because our reputation is in the mind of our consumer. And that's why it's so important to, to strategically define your brand so that when they experience your brand, you know that what they're feeling and how emotionally they connect with your brand is by design. Mm, hence designability. <laughs> well, yes. it's designing it's designing the brand, but not just from the visual aspect, but from the the, the emotional connection. Yeah. Well. And I think what you said at the start there is so important because uh, you know, it's like a light bulb just gone off for me. It's about not your perception of your brand, but your audience's perception, which can be quite different if you're not nailing how you want to be perceived. Exactly. And it, it can negatively impact our business because if, we, if we're putting out there that we are uh, a brand for everybody, but we go out there with these beautiful, shiny graphics and this gorgeous website, and I'm talking about design because that's where most mm. people start as business owners, and, and, and we're looking just so sleek in our consumer's mind, they straight away think, wow, that's a premium brand. And previously, they make meaning of things. Previously, when I've seen something that looks like that, sounds like that, that was expensive. So Mm. I'm not going to go there. That's that's the danger without having that clear definition of the brand. We're, We're putting false messages out there. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of um, wheels and cogs turning in people's minds at the moment. And they're thinking, you know, what is my brand saying about me? Now you've been putting up some really fantastic posts on social media recently about brand personalities, uh, which I'm really fascinated by. I love, love them. Why do you think it's important to have a personality for your brand rather than just colors and images, for example? The brand personality really humanizes the brand. So there are 12 brand personalities. I won't go into the history of it because it's not a history lesson. <laughs> that's a, that, that's a, a different uh, podcast or Facebook Live. Yeah. Um, but as a brand, your biggest, I guess, responsibility to your customer is to take them on a journey, uh, to take them on a, uh, through a brand story. And it's not your story. You know, I started my business in 
2012. It's their story of transformation. So who you become, you're like their guide and the journey that you take them on. That's your brand story. So when a brand aligns with a personality, they feel the customer feels like they're working, they're, they're in a relationship with a human being that's taking them through that story. And we're familiar with each one of those personalities. So I'll give you an example, like Kmart, their brand is the innocent, which um, is unpretentious, empathetic, mm-hmm. inclusive, all of that. So I'm a, an avid Kmart shopper, so I can oh, talk about Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> when I go into Kmart, my, my values are in great alignment with them. So I go in there and I see these beautiful um, homewares that are on trend and I buy them. So in my mind, the transformation that I'm going through is I too can have nice things in my home, even if I don't live the luxury lifestyle. So in that moment, Kmart is my mother, my friend, having that innocent, um, the, yeah, the innocent personality. And they, they, they become my guide you know, you too can have this lifestyle that looks like that, even if you don't live in that suburb, don't drive that car, and all of those triggers that go off in our mind as a consumer. And when we get behind um, the wheel, say, of a Jeep, who's the explorer personality, you know, we all become Indiana Jones in that moment. (laughs) We become explorers and we go on that journey, that brand story. And so that's why it's very powerful. And what's even more powerful is that knowing your brand personality then defines and guides everything else about your brand visually, um, how, how you define the graphics, the color palettes, the photography style. So it's, it's incredible what it can do for a brand. I love that. I love the two that you picked there as well, because I'm sure everyone can relate to them. They're familiar brands. The other thing I was thinking when you were talking was, you know, I rant on about niche, but I think the power of knowing your niche is that you think of a particular person that is in that niche. And when you're putting out your marketing, you're writing a blog post, you're doing a podcast, whatever, you've got that person in your mind. I think that's the power of knowing the brand personality as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, because if you know that you're the explorer or the innocent, or you're, you know, you want to appeal to the explorer or the innocent, then you can think about, is what I'm doing at the moment matching what that brand personality is, or have I gone off target? Exactly. On the straight and narrow. Yeah, it's, I, I, am I satisfying their triggers through the language that I use, through the graphics that I use? Um, all those things are very powerful, yeah, and it helps you reassess. That's, that's the other thing, having a brand personality. It's like having a bucket, mm. uh, you know, those brackets around your brand. So every bit of communication and every decision that you make, you're checking in constantly yes. to see am I on brand? So powerful. So if you're having one of those days where you don't know what you're doing or you don't know what post next or you don't know what to put on Facebook, for example, you don't just grab some shitty meme and pop that up. You're thinking about, is that in line with my brand? Is that, is my niche going to love that? And it's, it's, you know, it's really good to know, be crystal clear on that and to follow it because it takes away a lot of confusion. Mm. So talking about confusion, let's talk about branding mistakes. What are the kind of top three branding mistakes that you see business owners make? Probably the first one is that they don't take the time to define their brand and gain the clarity that they need. Yeah. Um, and that kind of offsets everything else, <laughs> which means mistake number two is they, they open shop and they hit the ground running with, with graphics and, and website and social media pages and social media, uh, 
all of their products and services without really understanding who their customer is and how they want to be spoken to, how they want their product to look like, how they want that packaging to be designed, how they want it to feel, sound like. Um, And then because of that, the third mistake is that their brand messaging becomes really scattered and vague and uh, mismatched. That's when you get into the problem of thinking that, your brand X, but your consumer is defining you as brand Y. Because yeah. they're like, we didn't ask for that. <laughs> you yeah, don't exactly. Do you think, um, you know, my experience of working with small business owners for a very long time now is that when people start a business, they're so excited about it that the first thing they think about typically is, can I get that URL for my website and let's get a graphic designer to do my brand? And, you know, I see posts on social media about this all of the time. So they're jumping into, let's just get the logo done. There's really not a huge amount of thought that's gone into that. And there's not any other thought around the brand. So then this logo gets created and the website kind of gets created around that feel. And before they know it, this whole brand's been created that's really, there's been no thought about it at all. Do you come across that a lot? Is that common situation that you find? Very common. And and that's how businesses outgrow their brand Mm. very quickly because we're all excited to hit the ground running because that's where we finally get to do that sale and have that transaction and and make money because ultimately that's all we want. Um, We all want, I should say, that's not all we want, but that's what we all want at the end of the day. And you, you start trialing the business space and you quickly realize that the message is not landing well because you've created a logo that can't carry your whole brand. And if a, a design, if a graphic designer asked you a few um, questions about, you know, what, what your brand is like and, and you've kind of summarized it in, in three words and they designed the logo of that, then that logo carries its own energy, which is disconnected to to the name of your business or how the website looks. So each one of those suppliers are fantastically talented at their job. That's their craft. That's their genius space. Mm. But that's not where you start from. And so very quickly they'll need to go back and rebrand, rebrand excuse me, um, yeah. because they, they're starting to gain clarity about their audience. And you're always going to be doing that to a certain extent. You're always going to be redefining and getting zeroing in on, on your brand, your target audience. The big brands do that as well. Yep. They constantly have focus groups, but they're not, you know, redesigning their logo, their website, but they're just gaining more clarity. But when you start with clarity, you have that longevity of your brand and you have that direction. Yeah. And it, look, it's painful to rebrand, right? If you're yeah. going to do a big overhaul, like it's painful, as it, it can be very expensive. You don't ideally want to do it, but I completely agree with you in what you're saying about the evolution of your business. You, you can be regularly fine-tuning and tweaking. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, you know, I want to create a stronger brand, I don't feel like I've quite nailed this, what are some of the top tips you can give them to actually do that? I would say start off by defining your brand, gain clarity, who you are, who your audience are. Okay. So understanding the audience and what they need from you emotionally, who they are, who they aspire to be, where they're going, what's the journey that you can take them. That's probably the the best place to start because everything else will stream from that and it'll be a much smoother um, process. 
that review your messaging and just see if it's in alignment with what you currently have um, and want to project out there. And then revisit it regularly. Just keep, keep going back and asking, keep going back to that foundation and saying, is what I'm putting out there, is that in line with what we intended to start with? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because you got me thinking about, you know, for people that may have just been following me more recently, when I started out Busy Business Women, it was actually called Busy Business Mums. Logo was the same, the font, everything. And I'd taken the business coaching arm out of my first business and, and made it its own thing. And it ran for about a year under that name. And one day I asked my avatar, who was a client of mine, absolutely spot on my target market, about my branding. And she said, I hate the name. I don't relate to it at all, but I just come because it's you and you're awesome. But if I didn't know you, then I would, I would hate it. <laughs> like, oh my God, <laughs> I had no idea. I just kind of run with something that I thought made sense and it was people could connect to. And actually, whilst most of my clients do happen to be mums, it isn't a prerequisite. So I was alienating people and my clients that love me didn't like it either. So we very rapidly rebranded to Busy Business Women exactly how you see it today. But let me tell you that change in one word was a complete pain in the ass to do. You know, <laughs> website, it's logo, it's logo across everything. It was even the templates, worksheets, everything that I created in that year all had the wrong flipping name on it. So um, I just, you know, Busy Business Women is all about being real and raw. I really want to fess up to the fact that I have fallen foul of everything that you were talking about today. And so for our listeners, if you're sitting there going, oh my God, I, you know, haven't nailed this or I'm feeling like I've got this really wrong, you are not alone and it can be rectified. So talking of rectifying it, and this is why I'm so looking forward to working with you more, Julia. Uh, Listeners, Julia is going to be running a masterclass for my Shine Tribe this month. Um, so if you're listening to this and thinking that your business really could benefit from a stronger brand, a bit of an overhaul, the good news is that this is not all that we need. You know, this is not all you can get from Julia. Um, she's going to be coming on as a shine masterclass expert and taking us through how to turn your business into a brand. And I really recommend that this is not just for people that are in startup phase. It's at any point in your business. So particularly like, for example, my scenario where you might be Uh, a few years ago, like I was questioning whether your brand is on point. So during this masterclass, she's going to go through the three pillars of building a brand and which one we need to focus on. The five core questions you need to make your competition irrelevant. How good would that be? And then the five steps to making your brand compelling. And knowing Julia as I do, she gives huge value. Um, I'm sure that we're going to come away with so much food for thought and an action list as long as my uh, as long as my arm. But I'm really looking forward to that. So if you'd like to join us for the masterclass or you want to listen to the recording, just head over to the show notes for this podcast, which is busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 36. Click on the link to shine, sign up, and then we look forward to welcoming you into the Busy Business Women Shine Tribe. And the big bonus is that Julia is already a member of Shine. So not only is she going to be sharing this expert masterclass with us, but she's also in the group. So if you're hanging out in the group and have got any questions and want to tap into her expertise, you'll absolutely be able to do that. Okay. So thank you, Julia, for doing that. I'm so looking forward to it. It's coming around quickly and I'm pumped. Okay. So let's talk about rebranding. Now, you know, I reckon you get a lot of people coming to you wanting to rebrand. What are the the right the wrong and right reasons to rebrand? And where do you think people should start 
if their brand needs a big overhaul? One of the most common reasons that I hear is, you know, I'm, I'm just tired of the logo. I feel like it needs a refresh or, you know, this, this photo is just this, this main photo that I've been using throughout all my marketing. It's just not doing it for me. And the point is that it's, it's all very me, me, me. And mm. I was talking about that in my Facebook Live this week that it's so common for us to think that we're the brand because most of the time we are a one-man, one-woman band and we're the driving force, we're in the driving seat, we're the decision makers and we are the ones appearing as our brand all the time. So it becomes very, I don't like the colours, I'm tired of the logo without really focusing on what the consumer wants and the message that they need to hear from us. So Mm -hmm. that's probably the most common one, uh, the most wrong reason to rebrand. The... The right reasons or the reasons you should consider rebranding is if for a while in business you've created a misconception about your brand, so you're thinking, again, that I'm brand X, but they're thinking that you're brand Y, so it needs an overhaul to once again create the right positioning that you want for your brand. If you have an outdated brand image, for example, your products have become a lot more innovative and the graphics are just no longer serving you. The, the logo, the messaging, photography style is looking outdated. Um, if you're going after a new marketplace, for example, and what you currently have is just not communicating the right message to them. Um, and other times what I see quite often, if your brand is just a really a mixed hodgepodge of, of things where you haven't actually defined the brand, but you worked with several graphic designers over the years and they've all had a go. And now you've ended up, ended up with this mixed match of everything. Yeah. Um, and that's when we just, you know, you almost like take that arm and just sweep everything off the table <laughs> and we go back to the strategy. We define the brand and then we create and design everything in accordance to that. So that's probably yeah. the four best ways to, to look at reasons to rebrand. I love that. The first one, um, you know, I love the fact that I reckon a lot of people go, oh, I want to rebrand because I'm sick of the logo. I'm just fed up and looking at it. And it's all so on point. It's all about me, 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 kind of smiling because I'm sure I've thought that over the years as well with my first business. And then the last one I'm thinking, you know, I'm sure that you come across lots of people that have gone and got their logos done on Fiverr, for example, for five bucks and how that's not necessarily serving them. And then they've gone and got various other designers to do their work. And I'm not saying that you've got to stick with the one designer. Although having said that in 12 years of business, I have, and I'm so pleased I did. He gets me, knows me. This is before I met you, Julia, I hasten to add. (laughs) But I I used to work with him in my corporate world as well. Um, You know, but he gets me and knows me and I know that what he sends me is on point. And I think there's a lot of power in finding your person and sticking with them. And particularly if it's someone like you and him who are, you know, they're focused on that brand personality, that brand story. It's more than just let's chuck a logo out there. It's actually on the bigger picture of what your business looks like, is going to look like the voice, the tone, the personality of it. So if you are listeners out there kind of, you know, getting various different people to do your stuff, maybe have a think about honing that in on the person that really gets you and stick with them because even if they're a little bit more expensive, I reckon you get a more consistent theme across all the things that you do. Would you agree, Julia? Absolutely. Look, and it's really no different to say uh, there is a business with 20 staff. You know, I'm not talking about big corporate Apple giants, but you've got a business, you've got a team of 20. 
as a brand owner, it's your job to develop the brand culture and all of them, whether they're, you know, uh, vacuuming the, the carpets at the end of the day or they're managing their accounts or they're driving your social media and managing the digital marketing side of your business, they all need to be on board and understand what the brand is all about. So yeah. if you have a business of 20, you're not going to be employing a new graphic design every month and onboarding them, educating them what the brand is meant to look, sound, feel like, communicate like. So it's yeah. really no different when you're a one-man band pick your supplier and get them on board with what your brand is about so that they consistently deliver and understand what, you, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm thinking as you're saying that about my VA team in the Philippines and how now I've been with them for like oh, close to two years, I think. Now the things that they create for me, and I'm not talking about like you know, my logo or anything like that. But when they're creating a new PowerPoint slide or they're creating a new landing page, because we've been together ages, they are immersed in my brand and know what I'm expecting. Whereas if I was chopping around and changing suppliers all the time, there would be such inconsistency across all of that. So it really, I love the way that you talked about that. It's thinking of a team. Because I think as solopreneurs, and particularly if cash flow is tight, it's easy to jump around and try and pick on price. And I get that we've got to do that to a degree, but, you know, paying a little bit more and having the consistency is actually, you know, a big deal when it comes to consistent brand. Absolutely. And even if you have someone who's at a lower price point, just in that case, spend the time educating them. It would be yeah. no different than if you were to get an intern in your business that would sit right next to you. you you'd yeah. spend that time to nurture and educate them. So still give them a chance, but just don't hop and skip everywhere because mm-hmm. you're doing a disservice to your brand. I love that. Really good food for thought. All right. So let's tap into one little last piece of wisdom before I let you on your merry way. If you've, well, I know you've listened to my podcast, you know I love a good quote or two. Uh, is there a quote or a mantra that has really inspired you over the years in your business that you'd love to share with us? And I'd love to know what impact that's had on you. I think the one that's inspired me or that stayed with me probably from my childhood and I owe it to my great grandparents and they always used to say, whatever happens, happens for the best. And when you're as a kid, as a kid, it means one thing to you, but in adult life, it, um, it translated into so many things. And even if at that moment you feel like the world's coming to an end, mm-hmm. sometimes it would take me 10 years to see what was that thing, that it, it, what was the reason behind it. Yeah. But you, I just I witnessed it in, in business life and personal life that there's always a reason. And the hard times would take me on a different trajectory, even though I fought it at times, um, but I'd always end up in a better place um, mentally, physically, just stronger, more resilient. So that was probably the thing that got me through many moments. I completely agree with you. And I'm kind of laughing as you're saying that because I'm thinking the week that I've had with the technology fails that I've had and various things that have gone wrong. It's like it can be confronting to think that, you know, this is happening for a reason. It's a good reason. I might not know it right now, but it'll come out in the wash. But it always does, right? Even the spinning wheel of doom on my Mac this week and thinking that my whole big computer was about to die again on me. There was actually upside to that. And I'm glad that I realized it. I think over time I've got better at being able to pinpoint this is a good thing, go with it, go with the flow phase instead of fighting it. It's taken yeah. a few years of, you know, maturity to realise that. But I really like what you've just said and I think there's a certain sense of calmness that comes with that mindset. 
yeah, it's, it's that trust. And look, the, mm. you know, when technology was, was not playing nice with you this week, you got to do some other lovely things, didn't you, that exactly. you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So, and I blame that bloody moon because I think a lot of people were struggling on Wednesday. <laughs> I blame the moon for everything this week. I didn't even know there was such thing. No, well, I don't really even understand it, but it, it's good to have an excuse. It's the moon's fault. It's, it's the moon's fault. So as if us women don't have enough things to blame. <laughs> Oh, oh gosh, I love it. All right, so uh, I te- can tell that I'm about to uh, go into a giggling fit. So let me wrap things up professionally before I do that. Um, listeners, if you have loved what Julia has had to say, and I'm sure you have, if you'd like to get in contact with Julia and follow the fabulous work that she's doing, all of the details are over in the show notes, which you can find by going to busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast. 36. And if you want to jump over and get some goodness from Julia right now, all you need to do is go to designability.com.au. And she's also the same over on Facebook, Designability. So all the links are in the show notes, making it super, super simple for you. And if you'd like to work with Julia, just go check out our website and Facebook page. Definitely go and follow her on Facebook. She does some amazing Facebook lives on Thursday mornings. Thursday mornings, isn't it? Yeah, 10 o'clock yeah. every Thursday. 10 o'clock, Sydney time, every Thursday morning. Great Facebook Lives um, and some, just some really good social media posts to give you food for thought in terms of your branding. So go check her out. Julia, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love you. I think you're <laughs> you. just cracking. Uh, very professional, so knowledgeable and just an awesomely wonderful person. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. So thanks for giving up your time your attention, your laughter, and your expertise. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Faye. It's been a pleasure. I love hanging around you and your community. So, oh, We're having a lot of fun, aren't we? It's we good. are, I absolutely. Feel very grateful. And like you're making it. me more productive. So yes. I don't owe it all to myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's music to my ears, honestly. People can't give me a better compliment than saying that. It literally lights my, sparks joy in my life, as Marie Kondo would say. Okay, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love you to leave us a lovely little review on iTunes, please, and let us know your thoughts about Julia and myself and what you loved about this podcast episode. And if you'd like to hang out some more, I'd love to see you over on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Busy Business Women, and you can find lots of biz building goodness over on the website, busybusinesswomen.biz. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I love hanging out with you and our wonderful guests, and I really appreciate your time for being here today. I will be back next week with more inspiration to help you build a business that booms. But until then, from Julia from Designability and me, I'm Faye Hollands, and you've been listening to the Busy Business Women podcast. Bye-bye.